I can't in all good faith say that. I just, wait, I think we should do that. And we're back for another episode of Single Girl Season. It's your girl, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do wrong? Are you actually going to say it's your girl? Okay, so I'm not saying it. I said that like, just as like an example. I didn't, do you want to say it's your girl? I don't want to say it, but yeah, well, I thought why you wanted you to say it. it? And we're back for another week of Single Girls Season. My name is Zakaya. <laughs> what? What did I do wrong? <laughs> it sounds like a news report. You're like, and we're back for another girl of Single Girls Season. I need hype. And we're back for another episode of Single Girls Season. I'm Rocky. And I'm Lucy. You, what, you, I, I guess today, you, you breathe you, like you were about to say something. No, so. you like you like. You like. Ah! <laughs> I, I guess she's going back in. And we've got another great week of content for you for our one listener out there. Eleven. Eleven. Ayo, we're growing. That's a. That's slowly but surely. We're in the double digits. We're nearly at a dozen. This week we are going to be talking about people pleasing. Got a full episode jam backed of interesting stuff. <laughs> I did want to go ahead first and say that we are by no means professional <laughs> psychologists, or this is just our takes mm. on people pleasing. Um, I did want to also um, just give a warning out there that talking about people pleasing will lead us into talking about trauma a little bit. So, just as a warning, if you feel like you don't have capacity to listen or to jump in and out, feel free. Love it. Today, we're going to explore what really goes into people pleasing. Um, you know, is it our environments that create us to go down that sort of people pleasing path? <clears throat> we're going to talk about breaking that cycle. We're going to talk about maybe the trauma behind people pleasing and how we can move forward as our best versions of ourselves, which also means looking after ourselves as well. Yeah, like how can we break out of people-pleasing if we notice it's a problem for us? Yes, exactly. And it takes noticing to like really recognize that there's an issue there. Is people-pleasing an issue? It's not an issue. I think that it's more a symptom of your environment growing up. Interesting. um, That kind of takes root and kind of stays with you as you go into adulthood and form relationships and friendships with people. All right. Well, maybe we'll just start right there. Like, what okay. is <laughs> what is people-pleasing? So, people-pleasing, um, it refers to a behavioral pattern where individuals go out of their way to satisfy or gain approval from others, bending over backwards with acts of service, I would say, in order to make sure everyone around you um, has their needs met. So what is the difference between people-pleasing and just being a nice person? The difference is one takes, one's whole purpose is to be of service and please others in order to stay relevant, in order to stay, or in order to feel that you have worth in a friendship circle or in a relationship. It's you gain, you feel like you are only loved if you are of value to others. Right. So there's no inherent value that you feel inside of yourself. Mm, so you're not just doing like a good deed for someone. You're kind of yeah. losing your values by trying to please others. People pleasers often anticipate other people's needs and 
they're hyper vigilant to the point where they can sense environments and tones and people's behavior changes and anticipate how can we fix this mm. even before the person has acknowledged oh i may need help with x i may want to be doing this they jump in and offer acts of service to fix situations in order for people to remain happy and complacent right that's what people pleasers do whereas i think a nice person would be there and they would listen to their friends they would um you know have empathy towards what they're going through and they would offer assistance but it's not coming from a place of how can i fix this how can i control this environment how can i ensure that my value is being seen here it's coming from a place of i have inherent value i have an equal standing as my friends and if my friends need me they know they can rely on me and vice versa where there's equal footing whereas people pleasers there's no equal footing with that right they're kind of compromising their values to please others 100% yeah that's what i think it is at least this is all guys like my own thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Exactly. <laughs> I've done a lot of, I think, research this week. I've listened to podcasts. I've watched TikToks. That's the extent of my research. Um, but also just from my own personal experiences as well when it comes to people-pleasing and the journey that I've been on, I think. I, what I found a lot this week is I was relating a lot to like my past when I was listening to those podcasts about what is people-pleasing and where does it come from. So... Um, I'm happy to say that at this point, I feel like I am on an ongoing journey to not become, not be a people pleaser. Um, but I used to be quite heavily one. Like right. Almost when I think back on the things that I used to do for people in order to like feel that conditional love was, um, I don't want to say embarrassing, but I just like, I'm glad that I've grown from those situations. I'm mm. glad that I am who I am today and that I don't make those yeah, this podcast is now People Pleasers Anonymous. <laughs> That's exciting though, because we can talk about how your journey, how you've overcome that and how other people can overcome people pleasing. Yeah. I think there's a fine line between, you know, recognizing people pleasing as a problem and then just kind of, as long as you're aware of kind of your values. Yeah. I feel like you can get to a place where you're still, you know, willing to help others, yeah. but at your capacity. And it was very much a very long journey to get here um, even just recognizing the issues um, a lot of it has come from therapy a lot of it has come through mistakes um, and I'm not going to say that it was easy by any means I have definitely lost friendships when I did start putting boundaries in place um, and they hurt like hell <laughs> but I think looking back on those friendships they were never um, never on equal footing so I wasn't really losing much by losing that person and I can say that now looking back, but at the time it was pretty gut-wrenching to think that, oh, I've stopped doing X and they stopped reciprocating their friendship for me. Um, and I don't want to have conditional friendships. So it was a hard thing to learn, but I'm happy that I got here. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome <laughs> to the other side where we can delve into new issues. <laughs> Before we get started, do you have any experience with people-pleasing? I mean, maybe we'll kick off the episode with the like subheadings and then like if i relate to like anything jump in jump in let us know i mean i feel like i do people please in different capacities i think it shows up in other aspects of my life what something i wanted to i didn't like a lot of what i've seen was about i think women people pleasing i haven't really come across if it's an issue for men but i feel like the society i feel like society teaches women in a way to people please because it's kind of a way of being the chill girl 
and just like not making a scene and not standing your ground. That's why sometimes yeah. in the workplace we're labeled like bitches if we actually 100%. set boundaries and be firm with our actions. I feel actions. like the word assertive only came around recently. <laughs> um, one of the things that does contribute to people pleasing is societal pressures. Um, so that was one of the things that we were going to talk about. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's so true yeah. now that you say it is women are taught to people please and to kind of be the accessory to yeah. their husband. Yeah. Almost like a part of their domestic duties is to be people pleasing and to please your husband and to anticipate his needs. Mm. God, when I started talking Whoa, about that. I was just like, damn, was that's like, so true. Oh, that just makes me so mad. Um, but we'll get to that. We got time. <laughs> okay. So, um, First, I want to talk about the origins of people-pleasing and where does that stem from. So people-pleasing is seeking validation and conditional love and of being of service to feel validated and seen. Um, there's a direct link to childhood trauma when it comes to people-pleasing because from such a young age, you are at a point where your basic needs are not being met as a child. and that's when the people pleasing stems comes in as a survival instinct right. how can i be seen as a child how can i have my needs met and how can i do that in a safe environment so you have to create your own safe environment in order to survive and that's where people pleasing stems from so you become a caretaker for your own parents you see that your parents are stressed out you see that there's conflicts in the household and that's impacting your own growth and your own safety and when i say safety it's not always in a physical sense i think it's like emotional safety mental safety so safety in childhood trauma doesn't always mean that there's violence in the household like physical violence it could just be unstable um so that's where it comes stems from it's how you anticipate you become the caretaker for your parents essentially you anticipate their needs you get things done for them you try to make yourself small and complacent and um, easygoing as a kid in order to not be a problem for your parents mm. so in order to do that you have to separate yourself and your needs and that's where the disconnect comes from and you don't you no longer look out for your own needs and your own what a child needs you don't look after that because you don't know what that is as a kid and your that's where the trauma is is that separation and that loneliness so you have that survival instinct come in and it's usually called a um, fawn. So there's fight, flight, freeze and fawn survival instincts. And fawn is the people pleasing one. It's adapting to your environment and becoming who you need to become to make sure that it's a safe environment and you're pleasing everybody around you, like mirroring what they need. That's mm. what fawn is. I didn't actually know about fawn until this week. Yeah. So I was like, cool. I know about fight or flight and freeze, but I didn't know about fawn. Um, so so is it just kind of obviously we're not registered therapists here mm, but no. having our own take on childhood trauma and whatnot and yeah. people pleasing but is that like all it can stem from is an unstable household or are there other kind of environments that can set it off i think it's more just how i think it does start quite early yeah and i think that um it's that rejection from such an early stage mm. in your life. Like it plants a seed. Yeah, it plants that seed of doubt about your worth, mm. right? So that's where that takes root when you're in such an early stage. And because all your cognitive abilities as you're growing up in that environment, that's what brings you up, right? So if you're in a position where your environment is not as 
cultivating as you would like it to be you have to take like you see and you take in what you see mm. so you see your parents arguing you see that you're being neglected in certain ways um there's not much interaction with the child when it comes to their development the child is picking up as they grow so what are they picking up on what are the cues that they're seeing you know they can sense the environment mm. the energies in the household so I think it does stem from such a early young age. And maybe it doesn't, it manifests its way differently in other kids. So not everyone that is neglected in childhood becomes a yeah. pleaser. I think that children take what they can't in order to survive. Mm, like I feel like sometimes people have their opposite kind of reaction or whatever you yeah. call it. Some of them become, I mean, some of them have more of a fight in them. Mm. Some of them are more just quiet in the background. Not everyone has the same reactions yeah. to things. So. I know that and you don't it's not also just one or the other you yeah. could have multiple of the survival instincts kick in in order to survive your environment mm. um so yeah so we're catering to the needs and others of others and anticipating them and completely avoiding our own so it's basically um our bodies go into autopilot and in order to survive you suppress yourself and your needs so that's where it kind of kicks in with all your other survival instincts and that's also where your attachment styles are formulated when you're a kid because that's the first relationships you have in your life are with your primary caregivers parents for some people and that's where your attachment style comes in that's where your survival instinct comes in and it really formulates a lot of who you become as an adult what about love language acts of service does that go hand in hand with people pleasing yeah it goes hand in hand with childhood upbringing so i also heard that a lot of people think that they're secure attachment styles, but hardly any people are secure. And that attachment styles can change in your lifetime. So I know that previously I was heavily an avoidant attachment style, and now I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards anxious sometimes, which is, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it? it's just changing. <laughs> changing with the tides. Exactly. Changing with growth. Um so that's what it comes down to is that it does initiate in your childhood um, and the initial relationships that you have with your parents and your siblings around you if you have siblings. Um, so what are the implications of people pleasing? So you grow up with having a disconnect from yourself and your identity. So you don't have any original ideas about who you are, what are your likes and dislikes because you feed from others what they enjoy and it becomes your enjoyment. So you don't have a chance to sort of explore, I like this, I dislike this, I want to try new things, I want to do X, Y, Z. It kind of stems from a place of what are others enjoying? I'll enjoy that too. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, I was like, that's really interesting because I think that until recently, um, I want to say within the last maybe three, four years, mm. um, a lot of my likes and dislikes were heavily about the people around me you know i want to get closer to this person what do they enjoy i like that too automatically like oh yeah that's so great i love that you know what i mean mm. um and i feel like only recently and i'm 29 so it is a bit embarrassing it's not embarrassing um, <laughs> it's just that i feel like now i have a lot more control over what i do enjoy and how i want to spend my time and what things i want to try mm. and if there's something out there that i don't want to try i'll be like I'm, i feel comfortable enough to say 
you enjoy that I'm not gonna go ahead and do that yeah I mean you might find it embarrassing because it seems so straightforward when you're like doing the work and you're in therapy recognizing it but some people go their whole lives without recognizing it yeah they have no idea that they're doing it yeah exactly and it's honestly not their fault and I think that there was a portion of my research for this where I was listening to a lot of the things where it's like disconnected from self cycle of like this like abusive cycle you sort of put onto yourself of you know positive reinforcements when it comes to people pleasing like people saying thank you oh thanks so much for doing that you're amazing as well as this like a double-edged sword of the cycle of rejection so if people are not reciprocating your people pleasing you tend to want to go harder try harder how can I get to that person how can I make sure that they're happy around me or they can see me as a positive influence in their life and it also starts to build resentments within yourself like you're not enough you're not doing enough Um, and all of this is again reinforcing that conditional love like I am only like available people only like me if I can be of service to them if I can connect with them Um, completely disregarding your own self and a lot of these things that I was like seeing and hearing about I was like that was me and it's unfair to put any blame onto yourself because you're a product of your environment and the little girl that was growing up in that household she deserved better and she chose like she chose to survive in that environment and we're doing the work to heal her we are doing the work we're doing the work so she's doing okay that's beautiful (laughs) sometimes (laughs) But yeah, I just had to like remember to be a bit more compassionate towards myself while doing research for this. Um, just because it's just like confronting to sort of mm. see your behaviors and understand them. For sure. So. And it always, when you know about it, it always seems so easy to like figure it out. Yeah. But it's not. No, and I can tell you quite confidently that at the time I was always coming from a place of, oh yeah, I'm just so easygoing. Like whatever you guys want to do, we can do it. I never felt any kind of anger. I thought that anger was a very horrible emotion to have so I prided myself in never being angry or hardly ever feeling irritated that I was just really easy chill super going like whatever that person needs I'm happy to accommodate Um, and it took a long time to realize that anger is not a bad emotion to experience it shows you that maybe you feel wronged and that you can fix the situation so you can rely on your anger and that's hard (laughs) because sometimes I'm like do I have a right to be pissed off at this? Always. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just talk to me. I'm angry all the time. Lucy, can I be <laughs> mad about this? <laughs> I'll be mad for the both of us. <laughs> um, so the implications of people-pleasing is the disconnect with self and identity. Um, cycle of reinforcement, which is that double-edged sword of feeling that sort of small dose of happiness that you feel when you feel validated by the person that you're pleasing as well as the always that need to do more i can do more i can be more for that person you're trying to be fulfill all the person's needs and you can never fulfill a person's needs all of them there's no way one person can fulfill another's all their needs it's an unrealistic expectation to have for yourself and that causes failure as well i feel like with trying to fulfill other people's needs as well sometimes it can be a double-edged sword in the way that people take advantage of you doing everything for them or going out of your way to always help them out even if it's just simple tasks like they're gonna know that you're always going to be there to help them 100 percent. and they also when you show a person that you're willing to drop everything for them move mountains at a drop of a hat that creates a really unhealthy like pattern of yourself where you're just pushing yourself and burning yourself out for other people 
and when they take advantage of that it's because in a way you are allowing that because you've shown them that pattern that i'm available i'm constantly available call me anytime any day night i'll be there um just to show your worth just to prove to them that you are valuable and that they can love you even if it's just friendship love i'm talking about mm. but it lets them abuse you because you're allowing for that space of abuse and you're not doing any of this self-aware this is all just patterns because when i did it i was like oh, i'm such a good friend mm. not because like i wanted to be a good friend like i wanted people to know i'm a good friend but i wanted the people that i wanted to be friends with know that they can rely on me whenever i got a call from someone i'd be like yes i'll be there 100 percent," and i would be thrilled that they even thought of me do you know what i mean like i had a lot of very little self-worth very little understanding of what love is and all the love i've known in my life has always been conditional so i always thought this is the way to keep people around and humans are very social creatures you know that saying it takes a village we're always trying to be within a community and when the trauma isolates isolates you from your family and you grow up without that all you want is to have that click with someone for sure so even you choose unhealthy relationships and friendships because you just want to have a click you want to have people around you that can tolerate to be around you at that point do you know mm. what i mean because you feel like you're the problem you're the issue it's interesting because we saw that video which was saying that people pleasing is a form of manipulation yes i saw that on tiktok <laughs> sorry it it's, that rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> yeah i feel like people pleasers aren't doing it out of choice they just do it because it's how they've survived and they don't know any better i thought that everything i was doing was just what a good friend would do nothing about me was like a manipulation tactic i would hate to think someone thought i was manipulating them do you know what i mean i'd be like this is the worst outcome of my life because most of the things you're doing as a people pleaser are considered normal it's just that other people don't see that you're really going above and beyond beyond what you are actually capable of just to make them happy i mean other people are just doing it you know i don't know how to explain it but because i think with people pleasing is that because of that anticipation of other people's needs that's not what a normal person would do in terms of like how far would a normal person go to in order to like fulfill someone Mm. else's needs a lot of people will take you know okay well what can i do in my own capacity right now in my life do i have time and do i have emotional capacity and those two are separate things you could have time in your schedule to help someone out but check in with yourself and your body and say do i have the emotional capacity um to go ahead and do this task or to be available to this person at this time and that's where the confusion comes in because people places and i did this myself i never took any consideration into emotional capacity or time i was like i'm here i can do whatever whenever and my own life was in shambles <laughs> my own life like i used to um some of the things i used to do as a people pleaser i was always the person they would call to do an airport drive anytime any day or night i was always happy to take someone to the airport or pick them up um one of my friends at the time she had a car accident i let her use my car even if it meant i couldn't get to where i needed to go um there were times where i would help some someone else with their uni assignments and my own was like needed to get done i was just constantly available and encroached on my own life and i wasn't able to complete tasks in my own life and i was falling behind but it if it meant that others were thriving i was happy like that's how twisted it was Mm. it was like my life could be falling apart i could be held back but everybody else is doing so well and i'm so happy for them 
I'll let them thrive. So I think that's the difference between a normal equal friendship and then the people pleasing friendship, like to what extremes that it can go yeah. to. So, yeah. I, um, I did want to also mention that people pleasing can also put us in dangerous situations Ooh. where we put ourselves at harm. And I also heard that people pleasing can have physical impact on your own immune system from how much you're running yourself ragged where you would always be sick or under the weather or tired because of how much you're looking after other people and not looking after yourself. And I definitely did feel that a lot. Do you know what I mean? Where I was just like constantly tired and exhausted, constantly like feeling like I could, couldn't do the bare minimums. And I just like put that up to depression because of my childhood. Like I didn't think that that was because of my actions at the time. Um, so it's, I think it's important for people that people please to check in with themselves and take stock about how they're feeling because that was an indicator that I didn't listen to and I was sick all the time for sure like I feel like when you when your body is breaking down for no reason whether that be constant colds and flus or just tiredness I feel your body shows those symptoms physically because you're ignoring the mental side 100% I used to um my asthma used to play up quite a lot during my heavily people pleasing days it always plays up in my house that's because you have animals with fur everywhere. <laughs> it's a zoo at my house. It is. Like, I, before I walk into your house, I have to take my towel fast, take two puffs of my acid up in the car. It's a whole procedure. Yeah. Um, and then you sneak off to the bathroom to do it more. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I heard you in the bathroom. You try and be so quiet. It's like... I'm like, why is she trying to hide? I need to put the fan on in your bathroom when I go in. My apartment is like one by one meter. I'm going to eat you in any room. It's okay though. I let it it go sometimes. Um, So if you're not in a zoo, (laughs) your asthma is playing out. Exactly. No, but I felt like, um, yeah, my asthma was playing up quite a lot. My eczema was playing up as well. Um, just because I wasn't looking after myself in any way. I was I f- always at the need of others. Yeah. I mean, obviously people have acne and whatnot, skin conditions, but I feel like skin is such a big indicator of yes. your current state mentally. Yeah. My um, therapist said to me the other day, Tammy, we love her. Am I fucking Tammy? I swear to God. I, I, wish, like, I wish I could see her every day. Mom? <laughs> That's healthy. Um, she said to me... Um, we were talking about my allergies and my asthma and how it was a very big thing in my childhood that it was always playing up. It was always at extreme severe levels. And she asked me, since you've moved out and since you've now been living on your own or since you've been living with your housemates, um, how has that been for you? Like, how has your asthma been for you? And how has your eczema been for you? And I said to her, oh, like, aside from taking, you know, my daily preventative doses of my asthma pump, um, it's fine. I get eczema quite rarely. Like if I'm like, when I was having like uni exams or something, I would get it or very like odd moments of stress in my life with my eczema flare up. Um, and she goes that that's an indicator for me that your environment was stressing you out to points where your body couldn't cope, like physically couldn't cope in that environment. And you were having those breakouts because all that stress has to go somewhere. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, and it manifests its way in your skin and in your body. For sure. Um, It's like when your body is in fight or flight mode, which it normally is when you're really stressed, your body is pumping blood into areas of survival. It's not pumping blood. It'll cut off the things that are least important organ-wise. Yeah. 
so that's why you know when it comes to fight or flight as well which honestly i've only just learned about for one this week because of people pleasing but with fight or flight it really takes us back to our most basis levels of animalistic like survival instincts tammy always used to say that think about if you were living in caveman times and there was a tiger chasing you that's how your body is responding to every incident and when you're in that survival mode for so long even small things you'll have the same huge reactions for because your body doesn't know the difference because it's been in that constant state for ages Mm. so for me there would be something small would come up like oh like for example (laughs) do you remember when um there was some problem with my card like it had been used by someone and they had to um, cancel my card and send me a new one i had my card for another account i had access to my bank account it was fine but i was in such severe panic and stress you were at work and i went to i went home and i like passed out for the whole day like my body couldn't cope (laughs) my body couldn't cope i was just like this is it this is how I die. Like, this is how everything I've worked hard on is undone. And I, like, passed out. And you called me. You're like, bitch, where have you been? <laughs> I tell you what happened. You're like, yeah, but you have another card. And you have access to your accounts. And you made it seem, like, so much more rational than what it was. But at the time, my body... Than what it was? <laughs> <laughs> Someone had stolen your card. The bank realized and canceled the card. So you, that card was done. And you had yeah. all your other accounts. And you were freaking out. And I was like where's the problem here <laughs> yeah you're like your bank did the right thing no money was like i think it was like two dollars or something that was taken off um <laughs> they were like suspicious transaction or something and you were like everything they, they did right here for you and i was like <sighs> i was like panicked you're like i'm gonna be homeless i was like can i live with you <laughs> and you were just like i like explained it and you were just like ah yeah okay yeah it's like oh i i can do that yeah like that's something that's i'm capable of oh my god i remember just being like if i don't sleep now i'll die (laughs) your body was like complete shutdown (laughs) this tiger can eat me my body's like you won't survive this go to sleep (laughs) (laughs) thanks mom Okay, we are sidestepping. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway um, in terms of people-pleasing is the the disconnect from your authentic self because you don't understand your own needs. You don't know how to anticipate your own needs. um, And when you can't do that, you go on for others. And it could also mean that you're emotionally avoidant of yourself and then anxious for other people. So those sort of things, I think, really kind of play into people-pleasing. And of course, people have it at different degrees and levels, but it's at the core, it's the disconnect from yourself. And I think that's what you have to work toward is how can you reconnect with yourself and discover your own personality and what you like to do and how you want to spend your time and who do you want to spend it with as well. How did you recognize that you're people-pleasing? Like... (laughs) Um, I remember that it happened slowly when I started therapy, when I started to recognize how can I connect with myself. And this took time because I think at least the first few months of therapy, I was very um, hesitant to even be emotionally available in my sessions. Um, I remember coming out of a session and feeling physically nauseated. And um, it took a long time for me to open up and allow that authenticity in our sessions only. And I had to really compartmentalize it in my head that 
in this room with Tammy, I can, I can be vulnerable and I can talk about these things. But that was it for me. Like that was in that room. And then as soon as I left that door, I am back to my old self. Like that's the only way I could, could do it in my head. Um, if someone doesn't have the resources to go to therapy or the funds or isn't emotionally there yet, yeah. what would you recommend in terms of recognizing if you are people pleasing or not? Yeah. I think the first thing to recognize is, I think for me, as bad as it could, I don't know how to say it without making it sound maybe a little bit not socially acceptable, but figuring out how much of what you're doing for someone, how much of that will be reciprocated back to you? Like, is there a balance in the friendship? Exactly. I think that was something that alerted me. I think even when I was people pleasing, and this did kind of build in a little bit resentment towards people where I was like, you know, I'm doing so much for this person. For example, when I was giving my car away when I needed it, and that the person would be like, oh yeah, I'll be back in like five minutes. And they weren't back for like an hour. Um, And I had missed my appointment altogether. And I was really upset. I was really mad, but I didn't even know how to communicate that with them because I wanted them to know that they can still use my car. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a sort of a brush off apology. Oh yeah, I got caught up X, Y, Z. But I think what started it for me was how much of what I'm doing, all this bending over backwards, dropping everything out of hat, how much of that will I get in return from this person? And I'm not saying that friendships have to be like tit for tat, mm. but I think that there is a point where you can be overdoing it, like you're doing too much and you have to decide that for yourself. Um, there's no barometer here that I can tell you, oh, yep, it's that point in time. You have to be the one to recognize your actions and be like, okay, well, you know, I did all of this. I was in a similar situation and I got hardly anything that I've done back with from them how can I do better for myself in the past, like in the future, sorry. So I think it's recognizing your actions and being like, okay, well, I don't want to overextend myself that much again. And Mm. you have to decide that for yourself. And a lot of it is checking in with yourself. Even if you can wake up one day and be like, I'm setting boundaries. (laughs) Everybody, these are my boundaries. Especially if you've set up an expectation and pattern where you you will like you will be able to do all these things for them, you can't one day take all that back. It's very slow progress, and a lot of it is soft boundaries. I started off by saying to people, "Can I check in with you on that? Let me just check my schedule," and that just gives me a buffer point where I can check in technically on my calendar, yes, but also with myself. I'm like, uh, I actually don't want to do that. And then I could, I used to always um, text them back later instead of like saying it face to face in the beginning where I was like, hey, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if I can make it or I don't know if I can be there for that. Um, let's do something else later. So I would offer a, another hangout sesh um, while declining the one I was invited to or the things that they wanted me to do. That was how I started off doing it. It was very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> I would get huge anxiety from doing it. And a lot of people pleasing comes from avoiding that anxiety and guilt. I felt like if I was taking the time for myself that I was being selfish. And that's a really bad trait to have. Um, I was feeling extremely guilty that, okay, well now they can't rely on me. Oh, I guess they're mad at me. Oh my God, they're totally, totally mad at me and they're never gonna speak to me again. Like these are the, that's where my brain went immediately. So that's why I was always available because I didn't want any of these thoughts to creep in. 
Um, but the scheduling one, I think that really helped with me. And I still use it today. Like when we went to the gym yesterday and he's like, oh, I can sign you up today. I can do it all for you today. And I said, I need time to think about it, you know, and the other girl signed up. But I was like, I know that for my own peace of mind, I'm going to have to think about this, consult my timetable, my bank <laughs> account um, and see if I can commit to this. Um, and then he called me today and we organized it. But I just wanted to have that buffer space to check in and make sure that this was right for me. So I still use those techniques today because otherwise I would be flailing everywhere. <laughs> I know myself, you know what I mean? I need to, I needed to have that structure for myself. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So schedule check-ins uh, with yourself. Yes. One of the other things I would say is, I actually have a list here. Should, should we do a list? It. Okay. So we love a list. <laughs> um, I've done so much research. I'm really proud of myself. Okay, how do we break the cycle of people pleasing? How? So, <laughs> tell me. So, from two unqualified. From two unqualified girly pups. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but one that is working on their inner child. What about me? Yeah, she's screaming at me. She's just here for the vibes. Vibe All check. Right. Okay. Number one is practicing self-awareness and inner compassion so your inner monologue towards yourself when you're in these moments deciding you know whether or not you should be available constantly to people is checking is having that compassion towards yourself and your inner monologue instead of saying if you do this they won't like you if you do that they won't like you you're not good enough etc you could sort of check in and be like okay well this is an uncomfortable feeling um, and feeling anxiety and it's good to almost voice that out to yourself and say you know I am feeling anxious and I'm feeling unsettled by this decision but I know this is good for me and this is going to be okay it's that reassurance that you can give yourself when you're in these moments trying to practice pausing that people pleasing that's about to come out just having that pause and changing that inner monologue in yourself um, tip number two is setting boundaries gradually, which is what we said, sort of soft launching your boundaries, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, so that just comes with, again, with the checking in with yourself, but also instead of having an immediate answer for people say, let me check my schedule and get back to you. I always think that that's the best way to do it. And if you're not comfortable having that conversation with them face to face, send them a message it's how I did it in the beginning because I was not I had no confidence in myself to be like face to face oh no I can't like I can't do that I knew that I would like panic and say all the wrong things so I felt like I could craft a message send it across and it worked out for the most part like I was able to have that communication with them without coming across as overdoing it with the people pleasing um the third one is the having authenticity like inner authenticity with identity and that healing is an ongoing journey so when you start to practice stopping people pleasing that is bringing you closer to your authentic self and to really be in touch with your identity and your own likes and dislikes and your own capabilities um, so it's important to realize that even though it's so uncomfortable to stop with the people pleasing you're really moving towards your target, which is 
how can I have a relationship with myself? That sounds very therapy-ish, <laughs> but it's more just how can I reconnect with myself? Mm-hmm. How can I check in with myself instead of other people's needs constantly? How can I almost anticipate my own needs and know what I need and what I'm going to be needing in the future and how to make myself happy instead of trying to make others happy constantly all the time all around you? How can you meet your own goals? How can you even have goals in the first place? I remember I used to be like, okay, well, I didn't want to do X, Y, Z with X person. So what am I going to do with my time? What do I want to do with my time? What are some of the things that I want in my future? And I had no idea. (laughs) I was like, wow, I could do anything. (laughs) I'm tired (laughs) all of a sudden. I'm extremely tired. Um, So it was just that anticipation of what you could be looking forward to in your own life instead of others. So I think that was an important one for me. And it was very uncomfortable to come to terms with the fact that I had no idea about myself. But it was nice to figure that out on my own terms without having people sort of dictate to me what I should and shouldn't be doing with myself especially as like a growing adult in my 20s I'm like starting to figure out who I am but I think that's what your 20s are for messy 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 20s are for your best 20s are about growth it is discovery constantly like speed bumps of life constantly (laughs) um so those are the three things I would say that I started doing in the beginning again I was in therapy so I did have professional help once a fortnight (laughs) Um, and it was a lot of unpacking with her as to why situations were uncomfortable or even there were some situations that would come up where I felt very unhappy afterwards that I didn't speak up or say anything but I didn't know how to do it at the time and that also it's a part of people pleasing is not speaking up or you see something happen and you want to speak up and you want to do the right thing but you don't know how to go about that at all because you don't want to be seen as someone that's problematic or that's causing drama. You, even if someone is saying something that makes you very uncomfortable, very upset, you just take it. You take it on the shin. You know what I mean? And that happens a lot with people pleasing. Like They could be very uncomfortable, very unhappy, but they will put on a brave face for the social setting. And that was me a lot of the time. That's great, Matt. Yeah. I feel like it shows up maybe not so dramatically in other people's lives. Sometimes it can just be a subtle thing. Um, But I think you did a really good job at covering, you know, the foundation. I was really into this research this week. Yeah, really triggered your inner child, (laughs) I I was like, let me just... Okay, thanks, Mom. Um, I think we've covered its origins, how it manifests in people, and how we can break that cycle. Um, Again... It doesn't show up in the same way for everybody, but the whole point of people-pleasing is that our inner child is feeling unsafe and unloved, and we are trying to recreate scenarios in which we can feel those things and have inherent self-worth and intrinsic self-love that is missing from ourselves, that we feel is missing from ourselves. I know that we've covered a lot about kind of where it originates from and kind of the I guess negative side effects of exhaustion and whatnot for it but are there positives to people pleasing um got you there positives I think that in the moment I think I used to feel a lot of like appreciation and gratitude when someone would say thank you and when someone would be happy to call on me and happy to 
used me, I guess. I was always so happy to be there for people and it would fill me with a lot of joy that people would count on me and see my value. But all of that is based off the fact that you're overdoing it for people and you miss out on a lot of important relations and connections that you can have with people because you're not your authentic self. You don't know who that is. So I don't know if there's any positives with people pleasing. I think that it's an ongoing symptom of your childhood. I don't think that there are good outcomes. I think you gain a lot of experiences from people pleasing, um, good and bad. Like you, as you do, as you move through life, you gain experiences. But I know that when I did shed a lot of that people pleasing tendencies in me, I did lose friends, but I also gained a lot of good ones. And I reconnected with myself and I'm happier for that. Love that. But also to play devil's advocate. Does the devil need an advocate? That's my question. <laughs> he does well enough on his own. But I mean, <laughs> who hurt you? Sorry, I just hate people say devil's advocate. I know. Um, just to have like a bit of a different view is if you recognize your people pleasing, couldn't you use that to your advantage in certain situations like work example? if you recognize that you're trying to kind of people please and do a lot to move further. Usually when you do that in the workplace, they tend to give you more work, but not enough pay for the work that you're doing. How do you know? That's not just a workplace. Well, I guess that's some, I haven't figured that out yet. When I did do more than what I was willing to in the office, I didn't get an extra cent for it. So yeah. I can't speak definitively if there's good outcomes with people pleasing. Um, I think that I learned a lot from my people pleasing phase. I learned a lot from what I wanted from a friendship or even a relationship. And I hope that moving forward in my life, I can use those experiences to navigate what comes next. So to go off kind of the manipulation video that we watched on people yeah. pleasing if you can you recognize your people pleasing but use it to your advantage in terms of getting ahead with friendships with relationships with career or workplaces because i feel like people pleasing can be a way of adapting to environment yeah and potentially using that to your advantage i think that if someone is okay i think that's more like of a sociopathic behavior <laughs> No, because I don't know how to explain that the people-pleasing comes from an innate place of being likable. Mm. So the feeling of upsetting anyone is that guilt is eating you alive. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. So that guilt of like someone doesn't like you, it really kind of eats at you and you do everything in your power to really kind of change that perception because you want to be liked by that person and you want to have people around you. Mm. So if someone is using tactics to try to get ahead in a career like in a workplace or get ahead in a relationship or with friendships or get something out of people that isn't i would say true people pleasing i would say that is its own manipulation tactic outside of what it is to be a people pleaser i think they're two separate things i don't think someone chooses to be a people pleaser like they're not like i'm gonna do xyz because people pleasing is innate. Mm, it's like a survival yeah, instinct. Yeah, so I feel like if someone is doing all of that, it's not because they are a true people pleaser. I want to say that's like a separate, completely separate issue and its own thing. I think that's the confusion around it. Because when I was looking at the comment section of that video that we saw, um, I was like, 
I agreed with those comment sections because they were like, I never did any of that stuff on purpose. There was no purpose of manipulation. It was the purpose of being loved. As like cringe as I don't mm. like to say that. But the whole purpose of that for me was this person's choosing me. They're choosing to have me over for dinner. They're choosing to like share their time with me. And that was so valuable to me at the time where I was like, it's their choice. They're choosing to call me. They're choosing to call upon me for a favor. And that like made me feel their love. So that's why I was willing to do anything for it. And I, again, at the time, I wouldn't even recognize myself as a people pleaser. At the time I was like, I'm being a good friend. This is what friends do. So it's only looking back now, I'm like, yes, that was people pleasing. That was doing too much. But at the time it was more just like, I'm a good friend I'm a great friend. And I feel value in that I'm a good friend. Mm. So I think they're very different. I feel like that was a really productive session. I think so too. I'm really proud of it, actually. I think we did well. You know, being single isn't all about boys and dating and girls. I mean, it's about finding yourself, discovering yourself. That's what our channel is all about. Every aspect of being in your 20s. 100%. I think it's really about being single gives you the time to reconnect with yourself and do the work, the inner child healing work. And we're all at different stages of that in our lives. So... That's what our podcast is for. Love it. I mean, not everyone struggles with everything we're going to chat about, but, you know, hopefully one episode resonates with someone out there. Um, Just want to kind of, I guess, why we started this is to just open the conversation, have a more in-depth chat about it without, you know, going to therapy. Yeah. And not everyone can, like, afford with their time or not even ready to recognize that therapy is an option for them. Mm. So... And I think that you and I have come from very different backgrounds and we've had different upbringings and we can bounce off each other in a way that I feel is very resonating with our listeners, hopefully. And with our 10 listeners, we see you (laughs) guys. We appreciate the love. Those 11 listens. (laughs) We appreciate that love so much. Um, But yes, that's it on people pleasing from us. But I know that a lot of what I learned from people pleasing came from some of the podcasts. Um, one of them, which was a great one, was called uh, The Psychological Sisters. They're an Aussie two-girl podcast, and they were quite resourceful. And I learned a lot from that podcast. Yeah, I mean, there's so many resources out there. Yeah. Touching on the surface of people pleasing. So if you want to do some more research, I mean, Google's your best friend. I mean, we'll see you next week. Um, Who knows what we'll talk about, but we'll let you know. Thanks, guys, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. See you.